Welcome to Continued, part of the teaching ministry here at Third Baptist Church. My name is Keith. I'm one of the pastors here, and our aim in this time is to dig deeper from the sermon on Sunday morning, digging deeper into the text, uh, into exegetical issues, historical issues, contextual issues, whatever issues come up that we feel ought to be chased down a little bit further. My name is Adam. I'm also one of the pastors, and Keith and I are going to be having this conversation. So, welcome to Continued. Second Corinthians 9, verse 6. The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And we need to be clear, this is not the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. This is a life of total and full blessing. But the principle is there, you know, in our effort to fight tooth and nail against the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, sometimes we forget that this is in here. You know, this promise is in here. If you give generously, God will give generously to you. Welcome to Continued, as as we are diving into the text again and, and bringing up issues that that Acts chapter 4 opens in front of us, we're talking about maybe a topic that's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, preachers have been pegged in, in ages past as just wanting your money, and yet here in Acts chapter 4, we see this, this freedom to give, and, uh, and that idea of being free to give and willing to give and to talk about money is something that's not foreign to the New Testament. In fact, Jesus teaches more about money than any other New Testament teacher. If, if you want to find out what Jesus has to say money, that's a great search because he has a ton of content. But giving is not supernatural to us. We, we have a tendency to be selfish. Um, Keith, you and I both, we have kids. Mm-hmm. We see this in action day by day, don't we? This this tendency to keep rather than to give. Yeah. What is so interesting and um, revealing about having children is a lot of times the things that they, you know, you find your own struggles in them, they just articulate it. You know, they just <laughs> say it. They just say what they're thinking. But a lot of times it's a sort of a mirror into your own heart of, you know, I'm 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 just as you know maybe selfish or 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 easily angered or want my own way. You know, I just hide it better. Yeah. Um, you know, when you you think about uh, you know selfishness as, as opposed to giving, I was thinking this this past Christmas, uh, our daughter Kara Jane actually got two of the same toys. And um, and this is after um, we've kind of gotten into this new show that she watches every now and then. It's called Fancy Nancy. Uh, it's on Disney Plus. Uh, Fancy Nancy, great show. Um, Maybe we're going to get a sponsor now. <laughs> no, no, yeah. No, no. Um, and one episode is a Christmas episode, and and um, and and Nancy gets this new bike that she's been asking for all year, and and she's just so moved by a friend who who's not getting anything for Christmas, but she makes Nancy an ornament, and is so happy to give to her so freely. And Nancy's really moved by this, and so she decides that she wants to 
she got so many other things for Christmas. She wants to give this new bike to her friend who got nothing for Christmas. And mm-hmm. you know, Heather and I talked to Kira Jane about isn't that isn't that so so wonderful that you know Nancy decided to do that. Uh, you know, God had given her a lot, and she wanted to give to to somebody that she thought was in need. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 wonderful. And then it it happens um, that Kara Jane gets two of the same toys. And um, and when the rubber meets the road, you know it's a little bit different. We we said you know suggested Kara Jane, what do you think about giving one of those to uh, you know one of your best friends who who loves this toy as well? Um, would that be a great thing to do? You already have one, so you could give that. What a, what a nice thing that would be uh, to do. And and her response was, um, no, I think I'll keep two, uh, one for one day and the other one for the next day. Um, but, you know, as we continue to talk, we, we, you know, she did realize that would be a nice thing to do. God has given me a lot and I can bless somebody. Um, but it sure took a lot of coaching to get there, didn't it? So what her? we see is the natural tendency yeah. is, no, I want both of them. I could mm-hmm. use, but I can, I can formulate a, a way <laughs> to put yeah. both into use, even though the, the exact same thing, as opposed to, you know, our first instinct is to be generous. Yeah. And so look here at Acts chapter 4, the first instinct of these new believers, amazingly, is to sell their possessions. In in Acts chapter 4, verse 34, it says, There was not a needy person among them, for as many as there were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to any as they had need. I mean, that is exactly contrary to the sin nature in us that says hoard, keep, you know, don't don't give. Right. And yet the first church instinctively, as they were living out the grace of God, as they were starting this new community, they said, man, let's give. Yeah. Well, and what's the phrase? Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. Right. It's this notion of, of just getting it and it's yours. You earned it. You worked mm-hmm. for it. And um, and, you know, and and and, and sit on it. Um, but like you said, Adam, that's that's not what we find in the New Testament. And and I think that I think the Holy Spirit through Luke is is putting that on the shelf for us to see this mm-hmm. group of people. Something has happened to them, something yes. radical has happened to them so that they've, I mean, they've been so transformed as individuals and as a body that, like you said, their first instinct is to, is to give out of their excess is to give. And the interesting part of this, uh, of the context of Acts, you know, one, you know, one, two, three, four, uh, and on is, um, is, you know, something massive has happened in Acts 2 is the sending of the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches to thousands of, of, of Jewish people who have come from all over the known world, and they've come together for the Feast of Weeks, or, or Pentecost, right? And so, you know, uh, Peter preaches, 3,000 are saved, and then they don't go back home. They, they stay in the Jerusalem area in order to what? To continue to learn, to continue to hear from the apostles, to continue to receive the apostles' teaching. A modern-day term would be to be discipled. You know, so they stayed in Jerusalem. The problem is they didn't plan to stay for weeks and weeks. They planned to stay for one week. So they, they didn't have lodging arrangements uh, for more than a week. They certainly didn't have provision for more than a week. So here are thousands and thousands of displaced believers who uh, need help. And what does the church do? They are discerning the situation and they're meeting the need. 
right? And they're mm-hmm. doing it as a body. One person can't meet all these needs, but we can do it together. They're situationally aware, situationally generous um, of what's going on. And uh, we see Barnabas is named as one of the, the first ones to do this. He yeah. He's the son of encouragement. He is he is looking at others and, and putting their needs before his own. And, and he sets the tone by by selling one of his fields and, and bringing his proceeds to the apostles, and he yeah. lays it down. Yeah, and just a preview for um, you know, the, the next text that you will walk into uh, in the book of Acts. You, you see the flesh rearing back up uh, with this, this generous gift from this young man named uh, Joseph, who they've nicknamed uh, Barnabas, son of encouragement, and he gets recognized for it. You know, he didn't, he didn't ask for that, but he gets recognized, he gets recorded in the scriptures, and, and a couple named Ananias and Sapphira says, we want that recognition, yeah. but we also want our money. Mm-hmm. How can we do both, right? So, um, and, and, we'll, and we'll get to that. So let me ask you, Keith, this giving of, of lands and houses, selling it and, and giving the money wholesale like that, is this what we should be doing? Should should you and I go out and sell our houses today, and bring bring that equity check to the church and and just give it all? Yeah, that's uh, you know it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough mm-hmm. thing to 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 see in the scriptures and mm-hmm. and you know we see what does Jesus say to the rich young ruler? Um, hey Jesus, I've kept all the commandments. One thing you lack. Sell all that you have, give to the poor, then come follow me. And he walks mm. away um, um, disheartened right? because he, because because the scripture says he loved what his he loved his possessions. Yeah. We see scriptures like that. We see scriptures like this, and we think, are are we to do the same? Um, you know, if 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 everybody does that, then nobody will have a place to provide hospitality, <laughs> and nobody <laughs> right. will ha- and nobody will be able to meet needs anymore. You know, because that money's finite. What we were to give to the church, it w- it would run out. Um, so I, I, the answer is, is no, we shouldn't all do the same. You know, um, we find situational, contextual generosity, radical mm-hmm. generosity from, from the believers. Um, what we need to do is the same thing. Uh, we need to be with our eyes open, looking at our fellowship, our fellow brothers and sisters, uh, looking at our community and even looking at the world and asking God, okay, what is it uh, that you want me to give? What needs are there that I can meet? And if I can't meet, then we as a body can meet. Mm-hmm. Um, but furthermore than that, that's still pretty general, right? Yeah. Um, but furthermore than that, Paul does give us um, some some really good guidelines for grace giving, you know, spirit-led giving. Yeah. Before you jump into Paul's okay. text, I do want to just just call attention to you know how we interpret narrative text yeah you know cuz acts is narrative it's telling the story and and a, a really important question that we need to have on the forefront of our minds is is this passage prescriptive or descriptive you know yes. is it prescribing how the church is supposed to run or is it describing how the church is running yeah. not that this is the prescription for all churches in every context, rather it's the description of how this Jerusalem church was functioning in a particular context. Yeah. And and I think 
what you said about, you know, following the spirit and, and asking God to guide us in our, our giving, that is, that's how we, we approach this. And yeah. God was directing them to do that. And they were doing it. And they were doing it. Yeah. Yes. And, and as we're going to see in, in later chapters, Ananias and Sapphira, they aren't asking God what they should do. They just, they are trying to put on a show. Mm-hmm. And they're not following the spirit in their giving, and it comes back to bite them. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, when, when we think about, you know, okay, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, they were selling possessions, giving, laying it at the apostles' feet. Um, should we do what they did or should we not? You know, we've answered that. Uh, not necessarily exactly what they were doing, but you do what God leads you mm-hmm. to do. God may, in fact, lead you to sell a field. And lay it at the at at the feet of the elders of the church. I've he, had he, he friends that. Yeah. that have sold everything and gone on the mission field. Yeah, and that is powerful to see. And when you see God's spirit in that, you know it's like, man, that is exactly what they should have done. Yeah. That's what they needed to do. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a selfish move of them it, like Ananias and Sapphira. It was a spirit led move, mm-hmm. and it was for the kingdom. Yeah, that's right. And so we don't need to read these texts and feel. Uh, guilty or mm-hmm. insufficient, or I, I, I'm I'm not I, you know I'm not as holy or as godly. I have a car, I have a yeah. home. Um, because I don't give as much money as some other person, I'm yeah. less of a Christian. That's yeah. not what this text is saying at all. No, it's not. It's not. We we need to be confident in God's leading, mm-hmm. God's sovereignty, and then be in touch with Him. Mm-hmm. Be in touch with Him and be in touch with each other. Uh, because you know, one of the things that just permeate, that leaps out from the page is they knew uh, each other's needs. There wasn't a needy one among them, so they were aware of each other's needs. What can we do to meet to meet this provision? So this is a call for us to be in touch with the Spirit of God, His leading, and also in touch with our brothers and sisters to know them um, and to hear from them and to be praying for them and to know um, if there's a need that yeah. needs to be met. So how can we be in step with the Spirit with regards to giving, what, yeah. what are some of Paul's instructions that, that guide us in this? 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are classic chapters on, on giving, giving in the Spirit, grace-based giving. Um, we could spend a lot of time doing that, and, and, um, and we could, and, we, and, and we, we probably will at some point spend some extensive time um, walking through uh, you know, New Testament principles, you know, uh, informed by the Old Testament, New Testament principles for giving. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, not just the rich young ruler, many, many other times, and, um, as was mentioned, talks about money. Speaking specifically to our context, American middle class, upper middle class believers, we need to take giving seriously because we have been given much. And I'm thinking about Jesus's parables to much who is given much as ex- is expected. Yeah, And so right. if we don't have a clue what the New Testament principles for giving are, and yet we have so much, we have so much wealth and excess and, and opportunity, then we are missing not only blessings for others, but blessings for ourselves by following God in that. We, we have the chance to give. We need to know how to do it. That's right. And so let me outline Second uh, Corinthians 9. Uh, specifically. So what Paul is doing, he's exhorting the Corinthians, hey, you you said you would help the church. You have a surplus right now. You said you would help the churches in need, so you need to do it. Um, and let me help you with this. Listen to what he says, at, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, 
and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Okay, let's let's pause there. A couple principles here uh, of grace giving, giving in the Lord Jesus. The first principle is this. And and this is this is this is from Genesis all the way to Revelation. This permeates the one who who sows generously will reap generously. The one who mm-hmm. sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. In other words, the one who gives generously, God will give generously to you. And we need to be clear: this is not the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. True. This is a life of total and full blessing, not cars. Money, you know, just money or clothes. Hey, if you just do this, God's going to give you more material things than you can handle. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a life of blessing where all all needs are supplied, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the principle is there. You know, in in our uh, effort to to um, fight tooth and nail against the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, sometimes we forget that this is in here. Yeah. You know, this promise is in here. If you give generously, God will give generously to you. He and, will. And, you know, that's echoed in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will. I don't yeah. think that's talking about material possessions, because if you really delight yourself in the Lord, you are going to want the things that the Lord wants. You're going to love the things that God loves. And and God does not love material possessions. He is not tempted with money. He is not tempted with status. No, he loves people. Yeah. What, what is it that's eternal? Uh, and, and if we delight ourselves in the Lord, then those desires, they will come through. Yeah, along with that, you know, one of the, the reason God doesn't covet money and we shouldn't either is because it's God's anyways. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's God's money. And uh, for us to covet it is is being, at, at best, a really bad steward of what God's given to us. So we need to understand, you know, in in this intimate relationship with the Lord— we, his bride, have with him. When we give generously, we can be assured that God will give generously to us, that our needs will be met, and we will live a life of abundance. Jesus said, I, Jesus said, I, I came to bring life and, and to bring it and to give it to you abundantly. Secondly, in this passage, we see this. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. One thing we don't see in the book of Acts is Peter and John standing up and saying, If you have an extra field, shame on you. Sell it immediately and bring it to us. What are you doing? What are you do? What are you thinking? Of course, you need to do this. Uh, instead, we see exactly what Paul is describing here. Um, not 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 reluctantly, not out of compulsion, but out of a cheerful heart. You, you can just imagine these folks who see these people in need. Uh, we have excess. Uh, we don't need this field. We haven't, we haven't been using it. We're not using it now. Let's sell it and let's give to this family or these families. Mm-hmm. It's just joy overflows. And I, and I would imagine that many of us have experienced this, um, of, of giving. And when it's grace giving, the joy is yours, the giver, mm-hmm. yes. more so than the yes. receiver. So we have these. So these two principles. You know, if 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 you give generously, God will be generous to you. Um, you know, it's not out of compulsion. There's not there's not a bar that you have to reach, and if you don't reach it, you're ungodly. No, give. Ask the Lord what it is, and give um, out, out of joy. 
um, not out of compulsion or not reluctantly, but cheerfully. Lastly, listen to what Paul says, uh, verse 12, for the ministry of this service, this service of being generous, this service of giving, is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What Paul's saying is simply that it's not even about the money. It's not about the, the, the dollar signs and the decimal points. It's mm-hmm. about the gospel. And when you give, he says, first of all, needs will be met. Praise God for that. But furthermore, many thanksgivings to God will be given, and they will glorify God because of you. So this is about your testimony as a, as a believer in Christ, as an ambassador for Christ, giving glory to him in your generosity as you imitate his generosity. And many thanksgivings will be given to God in the body of Christ. And then, and then furthermore, we have to imagine the world watching will see this and see something radically different, a radical love, a radical generosity that speaks to them. This world sees success as material gain and and hoarding and building for yourself a, an earthly kingdom, but but Jesus reminds us to to store up for ourselves treasures where in heaven. Yeah. Where where moth and rust doesn't destroy. You know, this is where the true treasure lies. Yeah, that's right. And a passage that that I, I think is often overlooked is that passage in First Timothy six at the end of mm-hmm. it, instructions to the rich. You know, we would expect from the Apostle Paul, okay, what what would he say to rich people? Um, woe to you! You know, um, you you know you you need to you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to give it away. You know, James has some harsh words for the rich, but the rich who are oppressing, you know, who've got rich because of their oppression. But, but, you know, will Paul say those who are rich don't be rich anymore? He actually doesn't say that. He says to be rich not only in the present age, but be rich for the age to come. Uh, let me read it for us. First Timothy 6, verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but what? But on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. So first we see um, that... That though one is rich, one ought not forget where his security comes from. Mm-hmm. It's in God. And secondly, um, what you have has been given to you by God. Don't you know that all things that are given to you have been richly provided by God for us to what? To enjoy. <laughs> this is this is almost kind of shocking in reverse of like, okay, um, God has given us in rich fashion for us to enjoy, but not on our own selfish desires or pursuits, vain pursuits. Listen to this, verse 18, instruct them, the rich, to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The, the stumbling block of the rich in this age is to think, I've made it, I'm good, um, I've taken hold of that which, which is truly life, but that's, that's not the case. Instruct them that what's given to them has been for them to richly mm-hmm. enjoy, but you are a channel of blessing. 
And, and, and Jesus says, uh, of whom much is given, much will be required. So for those of us who have money, which, by the way, all of us do, uh, and, and if we make above, you know, it's a very low amount, like the poverty line in like the United globally. States. Yeah, yeah. If if we make below, you know, right at the poverty line, we're we're richer than you know. A, a, yeah, what it's in the ninety percent, right? Of yeah. of those in the in the world. Um, so the the struggles of the ancient world, where Paul is writing and and Timothy is writing to instruct the rich, they haven't changed. Yeah, the the human heart is still uh, still drawn to riches, drawn to money as a as a alternative to trusting God and and we make an idol of it you know why do we not give if if we want to get real practical here we're talking about giving what are some roadblocks to giving why do we not do this because you know if it really is a, a way to be blessed by God and to God using us to meet the needs of others you know there's so many benefits to giving why don't we do it well you know you brought up first Timothy 6 and Earlier in that, verse 10, chapter 6, verse 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's right. And, you know, it's, it didn't say for money is the root of all evil. That's not the problem. The problem is not the money. Money, gold, silver, money, it is an object here on earth. How we use it, the condition of our heart is what is at play here. Yeah. The love of money is the root of evil. And if you are loving money, that is taking the place of your trust in God. You are trusting in yourself rather than trusting God to meet your needs, rather than trusting God to to uh, accomplish what he can accomplish, that, that he is our father and he will take care of us. Yeah. So, um, so what is the remedy to, to our... our our drift toward not giving, our our natural sinful state that wants to be selfish. I think the re- ultimate remedy is to see God, to know Him, to see the glory of God in such a way that that man we could we could never love money more than loving God. Because when we see Him for who He is, we realize He is the Creator, He is the Sustainer, He's all that we need. We need Him more than we need money. He sustains us better than earthly possessions will ever sustain us. And then when we truly see him like that, we can give. We can be free to be generous. We don't have to hoard because we know our Father loves us and he will provide for us what we need. And and there's a eternal hope waiting for us that far outweighs anything we go through here in this life. Yeah. Um, so to truly see God and know him is the first step to being a generous giver. That's right. We see that testimony in the Apostle Paul, and I think it's I think it'd be appropriate for us to to close this conversation. You know, admittedly, um, uh, an introductory conversation to mm-hmm. you know biblical principles for giving. And I know that as we go along, we'll you know this will this will keep coming up, and and then we you know we'll spend more extensive time on it because the Bible is has much to say uh, about how we ought to handle uh, what has been given to us by God. A testimony of this is the Apostle Paul. At the end of Philippians, uh, in, in chapter four, he there there's he, he finishes the letter um, with you know, communicating this life uh, in in several different ways. Um, let me let me read for us uh, Philippians four 
starting in verse 10, and we'll, and we'll end up in a very familiar verse. But hearing it in its context is actually much more powerful <laughs> than mm-hmm. it is to hear it out of its context. He says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to, be, how to do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul understood uh, that, that true joy, um, that the true riches were not in the physical riches. Mm-hmm. He had found the secret. He learned it. The secret is what? It's contentment in Christ. Um, I've learned the secret of facing abundance and facing need, of facing um, uh, a a table uh, full of food, but also starving almost to death in a prison cell. I've learned the secret in all of these things. And what is that? I can do all of these things, whatever circumstances life brings at me. I can do all of these things through him who strengthens me because he is the key. He is the secret to contentment. Jesus is contentment. And when we have him, we have all the riches uh, that that the world could ever offer and eternally more mm-hmm. in him. You know, Philippians 4.13 is probably the, the most out of context used verse, you know, the most misunderstood verse uh, that we see in popular culture because, you know, people are writing it on basketball shoes or they're, yeah. they're writing it on the their baseball bat because, you know, God's, Jesus is going to help me crush a home run. Yeah. You know, that's not the context that Paul is, is expressing there. Yeah. Um, it's how to live in this world and truly know what it's all about. Also in Philippians, Paul says, you know, I, I consider all these things rubbish yeah. compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my savior, yeah. you know, and to know Jesus is the ultimate source of life and how we can start being a generous giver. And it completely transformed everything about him. It mm-hmm. transformed it how he looked at life, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He, he? He now sees, with, with the lenses of Christ on, he now sees what are the true riches. And I can have plenty. I can have nothing. That, does, that doesn't yeah. change uh, my joy or my contentment because I have Christ. Listen to what he says, uh, furthermore, when he's talking about the Philippians, who, by the way, were a very generous church. Uh, He was, was, you know, just repeatedly, uh, you know, thanking God for them, and they've given him great joy. They've been generous to him. Verse 15, he says, And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Listen to this, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. You see, Jesus even changed the way he received material blessing. Mm -hmm. He didn't see that as, okay, this is it. I've made it. He's seeing it as, oh, I'm so thankful for this gift because they just stored up treasure in heaven. You know, think yeah. about that. Yeah. When we receive you know, material <laughs> blessing, are we thanking God for the gift, which is, which is great and we should, yeah. um, is included in that also, oh, praise God that, 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 uh, that the, the givers obeyed God. And I, I praise God that they stored up treasure in heaven more so than I praise Him for this gift. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this heavenly perspective, the true riches uh, perspective. 
Um, and, and then listen, I'll, I'll finish this, this paragraph out. But I've received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Interestingly there, he is, he's uh, correlating a, a, a financial gift to the, the Old Testament sacrificial offerings. This is how they would be, be described. You know, when, when, when those would give you know, the best of their flock as a burnt offering, it would go up into the nostrils of the Lord. It would be a pleasing aroma. Paul says the same thing. Uh, the, this is, this is the, you know, the New Testament equivalent of when you give this gift. It is the same. It is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And, and listen to what he says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 420, uh, or excuse me, 419 is also a verse that, mm-hmm. that is taken out of context. Um, uh, what, concept, what, what, what is the context of that promise? A generous church. Mm-hmm. One that's giving, one that's committed to giving generously, one that's committed to the mission uh, of the gospel being taken, one that one that gives generously to its to its missionaries. You know, one, one that's totally committed in all ways uh, to the cause of Christ. This is this is the promise for you. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's not a general uh, promise for all people in all time and all places. This is, this is a promise given to those who are sacrificially giving uh, to the, for the cause of Christ. 